Good evening, everyone. Oh, it's a lot of smiling faces. Going to do a smile check. You have to smile at the beginning, at least. All right, all right. Everybody looks okay. Very good. We're going to do our study tonight. And today was a beautiful day. I had to had the chance to be outside and just sit in the sun. Did you get a chance to do that? Yes. Uh, it was very relaxing. And I was just talking to the master. Last night, uh, we, my, my daughter and I got home probably around, what, 10 o'clock, thereabouts. And when we got out the car, we live, we live somewhat in the country. It's not all the way in the country. We live somewhat in the country. We got out the car. Did you look up at the sky last night? It was absolutely beautiful. I mean, we saw stars. I mean, they were all over the place. And I haven't seen a sky like that in a very, very long time. And so I got, you know, these, they have these new apps on your phone. And you can do app constellation. You put your phone up, and you can see all the different constellations and things like that. It was really neat. We didn't have a telescope, so we had to use what we had. Amen. <laughs> Before we begin tonight, we're just going to ask for help, because I'm not smart enough or intelligent enough to communicate the realities of the gospel to you. So if you don't mind, if you will bow your heads and I'll kneel, and we'll ask for that help. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us safely through this past week, and we are entering into another. And you have placed a hedge of protection around this place tonight. And we ask, Father, for the gift of your Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. And we ask for this in the name of Jesus, claiming the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. 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 Tonight. Here we go. Can you plug this in for me, Doc? Yeah. So tonight I have quite a bit to share with you. I may have to leave some things out, even like I did last night. I couldn't, couldn't share everything I wanted to share with you last night. But we're going to be covering quite a bit of information. And at the same time, we're going to be making heart, a heart decision. So last night we were talking about Calvary. And we talked about God's intent in the creation of man and how when he created man, he created man in the image of love. He gave love domain over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. He gave love this responsibility. And we saw last night how man, because he gave his loyalty, he gave his crown to another. The Bible told us, we read in Romans chapter 6 and verse 16, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So we saw Adam obey the will of Satan, and essentially gave his crown to another. And brothers and sisters, that brought chaos and sorrow and sadness into this world. And the devil was afraid because we talked about the devil's worst nightmare. Because in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, the Bible declared that there was someone coming that will crush the head of the serpent. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He was afraid of that declaration. And so when he saw baby Jesus being born, he said, I got to do everything in my power to destroy this baby before he becomes a man and does what he said he's going to do. And we saw that Jesus became a man and he walked this earth. And not one time in his life as he walked this earth did he ever break the heart of God. He had continual, unbroken fellowship with God the Father. And as he walked in that way and as he lived that perfect life, when he died, I told you something that you probably never heard of in your life before. I told you last night that Calvary was designed to get Jesus off the cross. I read it to you. Some of you weren't here, so let's read it together. Watch. You think I'm making it up. Go to Matthew. Go to Matthew. Watch this, my friends. In Matthew chapter 27, and watch what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 37. Matthew 27, and we're going to begin reading at verse 37. Watch how mankind is responding to the perfect one as he's on the cross. The Bible says, and he set up over his head this accusation written, this is Jesus the king of the Jews. 
Then were there two thieves crucified with him, the one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and watch what he says, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days. What does this say, my friends? Save yourself. Now, who, will, who, will, who, who, in, who in the world will tell you to save yourself? Who, who would do that? The devil will tell you to do that. The devil was speaking through these people, telling Jesus, come off the cross, save yourself. If that wasn't it, notice what else the Bible says. If thou be the son of God, what does it tell him to do? Come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him and the scribes and elders said, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. Now, my friends, I'll tell you something. Something glorious took place right there. You see, if Jesus had decided to come off the cross at that moment to save himself, we would not have the opportunity to be saved. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So in that moment in time, Jesus makes that decision. I'm not going to save myself. Remember now, it's interesting because the devil had a eye problem. And the devil wanted to exalt himself. And my friends, I already told you, we have the same problem today. We have iPhones. <laughs> Anybody paying attention? We have selfies. We have an eye problem just like the devil has an eye problem. But Jesus doesn't have an eye problem. He has a we problem. He says, I'm not going home unless they all go home. Are you hearing what I'm saying, my friends? So we saw this. We saw the sacrifice of God. We saw the passion of God for his children. And tonight, my friends, I'm going to pick up where I left off last night, and we're going to deal with the matter even more succinctly. But before I get there, remember, we were made in the image of God, by the hand of God, made in the fashion of God, body, mind, and soul, reflecting the Most High. But there is a problem. Families are being broken apart today. I mean, there, we, if you were to even, I told you the other night, uh, if you were to even go to some Christian homes, there are people in Christian homes that don't like each other. They sleep in separate parts of the house. I remember another family I had, had to minister to, the husband had literally built a wall to separate his part of the house from the other part of the house. We're talking about homes being broken. And you laugh at a physical wall, but there are spiritual and emotional walls built in homes today. Because Jesus is not a part of those homes. We have violence increasing, my friends. We have the aptitude and intellect of humanity decreasing, even though we have more things. And then we looked at nature, and we saw how nature is losing its mind. In fact, we see here two million dead fish just appearing on Chesapeake's Bay. We have 100,000 dead fish just appearing on Arkansas's river. We have a sharp spike in honeybee death deepens a worrisome trend. Why is that important? Because honeybees help pollinate and help pollinate food, which man, means if we don't have enough food, there's a food crisis. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Then we have uh, the, first, the fourth case of bird flu. This is a long time ago, but bird flu issues. 52 tons of dead fish just appear in the lagoon in Rio. Now, what's happening, my friends? There's a crisis taking place in our world. I showed you this the other night. All, these are all dead fish. These are birds just dropping out the sky for no reason. Well, there's a reason. These are beach dolphins just appearing on, on the ground. The question is why, my friends? Antelope running across, and then all of a sudden, they're all just dropping dead. Why is that taking place, my friends? Clams and shellfish, and here are dead fish in Russia, and here's 30 beach whales in Chile, and these are bees falling to the ground. What is happening, my friends? In fact, I'll share with you. Go to the book of Hosea for a moment. Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4. And we're going to be reading verse 1, 2, and 3. Hosea chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. Watch what the Bible says. Hosea chapter 4, verses 1, two and three the bible says hear the word of the lord ye children of israel for the lord hath a what's it say has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth nor mercy nor knowledge of god in the in the land but what's in the land 
swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. Therefore, shall the land mourn. Do you see it? Because this is happening in the land, because of these events, the land is now going to mourn. What else is it going to do? Therefore, the land shall mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the earth, with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be, what's it say, my friends? Taken away. This is because there's no knowledge of God in the land. People have forgotten about what God has instructed. Therefore, man is trying to do his own thing, and it's messing up, my friends. It's messing up. So here are the nations of the earth. I, I put this up the other night. We have uh, an issue, 175 mass deaths for bees in 36 countries, uh, 320. This is just this year, okay? There's actually a statistic that's being kept, and I actually track it like once a week just to keep, keep my stats up to date. 329 mass deaths for other animals in 64 countries. This is a worldwide problem, and God is being forgotten. We have a rewrite of what the family is supposed to look like. We have pestilences in the land. Now, I want to go back to this for a moment. I, I want to stay here. Those of you who snicker, I'm going to say something to you very clearly, and I'm going to pass this. If you think you are better than them because you don't do that, you have not been to my meetings. Now listen to me. This sin, like any other sin, is a sin. And all sin is not okay with God. Now, we've, we've dealt with this. As a family, I can talk like this to this group because this group is an honest group. Amen. This honest group, this group doesn't want to be played around with. You don't want to be patted on the back. You can go to regular churches and do that. You're here because you want to have a revival with Jesus. Is that right, my friends? So when we see sin, we don't just say, oh, that's a bad sin. All sin is bad sin. And I'm a sinner like they are. Are you hearing me, my friends? We're all in the need of the most high God. Here we have the Ebola outbreak. These are pestilence in the land. But again, this is, this is a result of the violations of God's laws. But let's go a little bit further. I'm going to pass this. I'm going to pass this. We have this oil refinery and we have ISIS and ISIL and terrorist groups and people being chopped up. And for what? For money? For power? For what? What, what is the reason for all these conflicts in the land? In fact, I want you to see something else. I didn't touch this the other night, but I want to touch it today. I'm going to have a whole sermon on it coming soon. But I want you to go to Luke chapter 21. And again, we're looking at what's happening in our world today, and I'm going to share with you these things are not lost on the leadership in this world. The leadership in this world is trying to solve a problem. And I want you to go to Luke chapter 21, look at verse number 25. Luke 21, 25, and notice what the Bible says. It says, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars upon the earth distress of nations and then it says this word with perplexity now i looked at that word perplexity distress of nations with perplexity that word perplexity you look it up there's a there's actually let me do this one yeah here we go down here that word comes from this greek word which i don't know how to say amen <laughs> but then this is number two right here this word means difficulty or impossibility. It also means uncertainty and anxiety, a puzzle. So there's a crisis in the world that the world leaders and humanity itself doesn't know how to solve, but they try their best. In fact, there is a financial crisis developing again. It's just getting worse. We just put a Band-Aid on it in 2008, and we keep putting money. In fact, I read was it yesterday or today? I read how they're going to be putting $75 billion into the economy every day. And did you guys, did you guys read that? Yeah, every day. Like, where did they get the money from? I need some of that. Amen. <laughs> now, you see there's a little crisis here. Now, I have several videos here. I, I'm going to focus on one of them or two of them. You see this one here where this guy is standing? There's a revival. At this revival... 
and I don't, I, he, at this revival, he has in his hand, let's see here, I'm going to play it. He has in his hand uh, kerosene, like a, like a gas. gas, okay? He puts it in there and he lights it on fire. Okay, when he lights it on fire, everybody sees that it's really kerosene. So then he's like, the Holy Ghost is upon me. Okay, so I'm going to be able to drink this kerosene, and I'm not going to be harmed by it. This is what he says. Okay, so he does it. I'm going to move it ahead a little bit because, you know, he's doing all this stuff. So he has it. Watch what he's going to light it on fire just so you guys can see that. Want you to see it? He lights it on fire. Boom. Go ahead, put it in there, buddy. All right, so he puts it in there. So that's kerosene. It's in the bottle. Now he takes it. And he drinks it because he has the Holy Ghost. Now, the people in the audience, this is people playing praise the Lord, see their arms up, waving their hands, all this stuff. And I'm saying, man, that's crazy. He's like, it's, he said it's pineapple juice. That's what he's saying right now. This is pineapple juice. Who wants to come taste the pineapple juice? So then a few minutes later, a few minutes later, this person comes up. Now, I, I show you this. I don't want to mock anybody. I show you this because there is religious confusion. People are coming to church to be entertained. People are coming to church because at this point, why are you going to this church? What's the purpose of going here? They're having this experience, and I'm saying to myself, brothers and sisters, we're living in the last hours of earth's history, and people are playing games. I'm going to pass some of this one. I'm gonna, I'll show you this one here. This one is a picture of a tsunami. I just want you to see the magnitude of this. I want you to see the magnitude of it. See, that's water. See that down there? That's water. Do you see that? Do you, look, you think that's a toy store or something. That's yards, hundreds of yards of property being destroyed by this tsunami. Do you see it, my friends? We're living in a time where there is chaos and confusion. And there's a reason why, because there is no knowledge of God in the land. Chaos, blood touches blood. God is forgotten. I'm going to pause these. Let me pause these. I, wanna, I don't want to hear from him. I'm about to turn the sound on because I want you to see something. Let me turn this off. I'm going to show you this. This one here. I want you to hear this, and this is men's solution. All right, so I share that with you. Now, listen, I shared it with you not because I want you to be afraid. I'm not afraid of this stuff, okay? I shared it with you because I want you to see mankind is trying to figure out how to solve a problem. Are, are you following the idea? Mankind is trying to figure out how to solve a problem. The reality is they are not going to be able to solve the problem. Man does not have a solution to this problem. I, I, I'm telling you right now, and they're going to do their best. Remember, yesterday I told you, I'm going to start, there's a research that I'm doing. I'm putting about 50 hours in before I present it to you before the last meeting. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there is a massive movement right now. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to jump on board with it. You're going to be like, yeah, it sounds great, but you are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You're supposed to be students of the word, students of the scripture, not to be deceived by anyone. Now, I'm going to pass the next two. I'm going to pass these. I'm going to pass those. But I want you to hear this one. Again, man trying to solve a problem. Now, I don't know why this is playing with me. It should actually be very much louder. All right, let's see if it works this time. I do want you to hear this. All right, I just want to stop there. What did he say? Did he asked the question, do we work for the central banks? What did they say? Yeah. They said yes. That's on TV. So it's not a conspiracy. I'm, re I'm just letting you hear what they're saying. I, I looked this up. This is from uh, 1988, The Economist. You see the picture? What's, what's down here, my friends? What do you see here? Money. It's all on fire. What does it say? Get ready for what? 
Get ready for a world currency. And what do you have coming up out of this fire? What do you have coming up? There's a phoenix coming up out of the fire. So I thought that was interesting when I saw that. Because in 2012, I saw this. This is from the Olympics. It's just, it's just very interesting. I, I, I just pay attention to interesting things. Then I saw this. I showed you this the other night. This is a picture from the 1600s of the Tower of Babel. Very nice picture. Nicely done. And then this is the, a picture from the European Parliament. And you see, it looks just like that. You see that? And then you see what it says right here? What does it say? Europe, many tongues, one voice. Now, the only way you could understand what that means, if you have to go back to the Tower of Babel, and when God came down and confounded the language of these people, because these people were in rebellion. So he confounded the language so that they could not work together. So man in his brain says, I don't care what God says. We're going to build our Tower of Babel, and we're going to have many languages, and we're going to come together. Do you see the rebellion in man's hearts, my friends? You thought I was just talking about your personal heart, and yes, our hearts are rebellious. But my, but my friends, there is a collective rebellion taking place. There's a collective fight against God taking place. Sometimes I wish I could make this stuff up. I would be so smart and so intelligent. But then when I look and I see, I didn't make this up. That this is real. I, I wish I could say the devil doesn't exist, but I know he does. There's a war, my friends, and not only did they do that, they actually built their building to look like that. Let me give you a better view. You see that? Intentional. Now I'm, gonna, I'm not going to show the next video. I want to pass that for another time. Now, I shared all that with you, and that's not our study. I wanted you to see the mindset of the world. I wanted you to see where man's minds are tending. And then I want you to see God's solution. Are you ready to see God's solution? Pay attention, brothers and sisters. We're about to go very, 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 very deep. Go with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34. And when you have it, just say amen. amen. All right, we got one. Praise the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34. Amen. Here it goes. The Bible says, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. What exalts a nation, my friends? Righteousness exalts a nation. So we're going to put the word righteousness here, okay? Righteousness exalts. If something is exalted, I mean, that's like an old word. If something is exalted, what does that mean? Give me another word for exalted. All right, righteousness builds up. It, it builds up a nation. Remember we read in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, it says that Lucifer weakened the nations. Righteousness exalts a nation. In fact, let me show you something else. Go with me to the book of Genesis now, the book of Genesis, and we're looking at verse, I mean, chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. Remember that one of the keys that we had for understanding Bible prophecy was friendship. We're going to look at the friend of God. Watch what happens in the discussion with the friend of God. Genesis chapter 18, and we're looking now at verse 16, and the Bible says, And the men arose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abram went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? So can I hide it from him? No, no, watch. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and what? Mighty. Mighty nation, and all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. What exalts a nation, my friends? So when it says, I see that he will be a great and mighty nation, I, it's saying that Abraham's going to teach his family righteousness. Are you following the idea? So uh, from him, through him, this nation that Abraham's going to lead out is going to be a righteous one. But why is that? Genesis chapter 26 and verse 7. Genesis 26 
Start at verse 3. Yeah. I might have the wrong one. Went off the top of my head. Oh, verse 5. Woo, praise the Lord. <laughs> Watch what verse 5 says. Because that Abraham obeyed my, what's it say? Voice and kept my charge, my, what's it say? Commandments, my statutes, and my All right, so Abraham, because he's following righteousness, those who follow after Abraham are now exalted. Are you following the idea? Righteousness exalts a nation. Now, we, we, we did some good study the other day. How many good people are in the room? Tell me, raise your hand if you're a good person. Don't do it. Now, I told you, there are no good people. The Bible says that we've all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no goodness in us. Any goodness that presents itself comes from the most high. Does that make sense, everybody? So because that's the reality, this righteousness that's being presented can't be mine. It has to be someone else altogether. Is that right? Amen. Now, let's go a little bit further. We're, we're, I want you to go to Psalms 119, 172. Psalms 119, 172. Psalms 119, 172. Watch what the Bible says. The Bible says in Psalms 119, 172, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are, what's it say? Righteousness. So righteousness and commandments go together. All thy commandments are righteousness. Well, that's interesting. Stay with me. So I want to go with, uh, uh, to, uh, to the Ten Commandments for a moment. Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to take an honest purview of these commandments. And as we go through them, I just want you to tell me if they are good or if they are bad. All right, here we go. Exodus chapter 20, we're starting at verse number one. Watch what the Bible says. It says, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is that good or bad? That's good. Thou shalt have no other gods. No other gods includes your own self as being God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Watch what else it says. It says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So don't make gods of fishes. Right? Don't make gods of birds. Don't make gods of people. Don't make gods of anything. Don't make an image up. Don't do it because it won't even match to what God actually is. Remember now, when you make an image of something, when you actually, if, if you think that you're God, the highest that you can get is what you are. If I think uh, so one of my favorite basketball players when I was a younger guy was Michael Jordan. My favorite, Michael Jordan, but I figured I could never be six foot six. Like my height was done early on. So I said, okay, I'll go with Isaiah Thomas because, or Tim Hardaway because they're shorter and they got a little bit of handle. I got a little bit of handle. I could do that. I can relate. My, my God was only so tall. Are you following what I'm saying? And because my God was only so big, that's all I could do. That's the limit. That's the, they almost call it, in one of, uh, one of these leadership books, they call it the law of the lid. You can only go as high as your, your God is. Well, if your God is you, then you're in, you're in trouble. If your God is your mother, then you're in trouble. If your God is tradition, then you're in trouble. If your God is your goldfish, you're definitely in trouble. <laughs> Thou shalt not make any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Verse 5. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a, what's the word right there? Jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Any, any problem with that, that, uh, that commandment? No, no. In fact, that commandment makes a lot of sense. 
Makes a lot of sense. I'm not going to bow down to something that doesn't really do anything for me. Verse 7, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now, this has so many nuances to it here, and it's quite broad in, 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 prim, in its premise, but I'm going to be simple. If you say that you are a Christian and you're living opposite of what Christian, Christianity is, you are taking his name in vain. Y'all heard me? You claim that you are a believer in God, that you're the believer in the creator of the universe, and that he's holy, and that he's righteous, and that he's pure, and then you're at home beating your children. That's taking his name in vain. You're lying, cheating, committing, that's taking his name in vain. So when you take someone's name, you, the reason why you knew Michael Jordan when I said it, immediately, you weren't confused because there are many people named Michael Jordan. You weren't confused with the multiplicity of my, you saw one person and his character and you said, that's who he's talking about. So when you take God's name, you're taking a person and you're saying, this is who God is. And then you take that name, you apply it to yourself, I'm a Christian. No, you know, it's a, it's a humble thing to call yourself a Christian. You, <laughs> I tell you the truth, we've taken it so lightly, that's why everybody can be a Christian now. Y'all don't like me right now. We've taken it lightly, my friends. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. Now, let's go a little bit further. And of course, taking his name in vain, that means don't cuss, don't swear, no F's this and S this. and We don't do that. Amen. We don't do that. And then we have verse number 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall I labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. I don't see any problem with that. Do you see any problem with resting? I don't think we rest enough. I think it's a great one. The Bible goes on to say, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days, now you should get this one, that thy days may be long <laughs> upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You know, it's funny, when you read these when you're a child, it's different than when you become an adult. When you become an adult, you're like, yeah, you better obey me, girl. <laughs> when you're a child, you're like, but really, I mean, my parents are not perfect. It, it just changed, the perspective changes as you look at it, as your, your days go. But it's because we don't honor our parents. It is because we don't honor authority that we have young people running around. Did you see that video the other day where they had these young people, I think it was in Philadelphia, I'm not sure exactly, or Maryland, and they were just beating this one man to a pulp, just stomping on him. And, be, and it was several just coming. Uh, why would you do that unless you didn't honor your parents? You, can't on, you don't know how to honor and respect others if you've never honored the ones in your own home. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. That word kill is actually murder. Thou shalt not commit murder. Anybody have any problem with that? No, I don't think so. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Any, any problem with that one? Perfect. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. I've read all ten. I see no problem. The law is perfect. In fact, we, we've gone over this. Maybe I lost it here. We've gone over this. Let me put this up here. Here's God's character. God's character is holy. According to Leviticus 11.44, God's law is holy, according to Romans 7, verse 12. God's character is truth. Psalms 31, verse 5, God's law is truth. Malachi, verse 2.6. God's character is righteous, according to Psalms 145 and verse 17. God's law is righteous, according to Psalms 119.172. We just read that one. God's character is perfect, according to Matthew 5 and verse 48. And God's law is perfect, according to Psalms 19 and verse 7. God's character is spiritual, according to John 4 and verse 24. God's law is spiritual, according to Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. 
God's law is eternal, according to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. And God's law is eternal, according to Psalms 111, 7 and 8. God's law or character is unchangeable, James 1 and verse 17. And God's law is unchangeable, according to Psalms 89 and verse 34. God's character is full of love. Amen? 1 John 4 and verse 8. And God's law is love according to Matthew chapter 22 verse 36 through 40. So God's law is a reflection of his character. Those 10 principles are the foundation of his throne and anybody or any person who's seeking to change God's law is actually seeking to change God's character. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's a that's a you don't want to touch that. Yeah, I mean. You ever, I don't there are some things w- when I was growing up that my dad would say, don't touch that. He don't have to say it one time. He didn't have to raise his voice. I just knew in that one moment, this was untouchable. <laughs> when it comes to God's law, it was treated the very same way. The, no, not any old person can walk in and see the Ten Commandment law. It was in the most holy place, in the most sacred place, in the sanctuary. And then it was called the Ark of the Covenant that the law was placed in. The, uh, and it was, it was so precious that no ordinary person can go in. In fact, when the law was given, do you know when the law was given? God took Moses into the mountain. And God told the people, tell, God told Moses to tell the people, don't let anybody else come up with you. It's just you and me. I want to take you up into this mountain, and when God gave the law, he wrote it himself with his own finger. Now, my friends, I want you to pay attention to this idea. This is the only thing that we find in the Bible that God literally writes with his own physical finger. In stone. Now, you know, you know Jesus is awesome. You know, Jesus wrote in dirt because he was God, Amen. He wrote in dirt. And the reason why he wrote in dirt, because he didn't want those sins to be remained in forever. He wrote it in dirt so he can wipe it away. Do you understand the idea? But when he took the, took the law, he wrote it in stone because he says, this is not going to change. This is eternal. In fact, I want to share something else with you. Go with me to the book of Romans for a moment. The book of Romans, Romans chapter 7. We saw one of the verses there, but Romans chapter 7. And I want you to see something about the law, the nature of the law. Romans chapter 7, and I want to start reading at verse 14. Pay close attention, my friends. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am, what's it say? Carnal, sold under sin. For what? For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth how many good things, my friends? No good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. We talked about this last night. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. It says it is nature. Then I told you last night, Verse 24, O wretched man that I am. That's a cry. He's crying out, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And I told you that a Roman tradition had it that they would tie a dead man to a living man. And death would creep into the, to the life of the dead man. I mean, to the life of the living man. He's dying. And brothers and sisters, this is the reality of our natures. We're tied to death. Our natures crave for sin. It is natural to do the wrong thing. Born to evil, my friends. Except for the grace and mercy of God, we would all be running around eating bark and running around naked. You understand what I'm saying? 
only for the grace of God that we are, have any semblance of sanity. In fact, I was reading from one book. It was very interesting talking about the demoniac as he was in church and he stood up because he wanted he wanted to be free from the bondage of the demon. But he couldn't say anything. And he stood up and he couldn't say what he wanted to say. But God could hear the cry of his heart and God delivered that man from that demon. Do you understand what I'm saying? But then I read in the same book that the same demon that controlled the demoniac controlled the spiritual leaders during that time frame. But the spiritual leaders dressed like this. Are you following what I'm saying? My brothers and sisters, we need supernatural help. This law that is in our members, it's a, it's a reality that, that the Ten Commandment law, when it presents itself to us, I can go to it. I can say, oh, that's the right thing to do. I shouldn't kill. And then we go and we commit murder all the time with our lips. Remember when you gossip, we, we talked about this. Some of you just getting here today. When you gossip, that's murder. That's murder. That's how it started in heaven. Murder started in heaven. Gossip, backbody in heaven. Thou shalt not kill with your lips. You say, oh, I shouldn't commit adultery. Oh, your brain now, it sees. Men ain't blind. It sees and it's like, man, uh uh-huh. No, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. Then your brain's still looking. Your eyes done stop looking. See, I'm telling on the brothers right now. I'm not going to look. See, but the righteousness that exalts the nation is a righteousness that must come from above. It comes from outside of us into us. We don't have it ourselves. So I can't go, I'm going to be a good person. It's not going to work. And this is the problem, and I, see, I love these self-help stuff that's out there. I love reading these, some of these things. There's a lot of good positive things in those things. But at the end of the day, it stops short, my friends, because there is a limit. There is a limit. That's why Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will not make it into the kingdom of heaven. So this Ten Commandment law the best it can do is show me that I'm messed up. That's it. I'm messed up. Ah. What's a man to do? What's a woman to do? Go with me to the book of James. Book of James. Watch this. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we're going to start reading at verse number 1, just, just for a little bit of context. James chapter 1, verse 1 says, James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to, t- to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count on all joy when, when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works, what's it say, my friends? Patience. But let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally and, and a braid of not, and it will be given. One of my favorite promises there. But let, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of a sea driven by the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he receiveth anything of God. A double-minded man. What kind of man? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Oh, brothers and sisters, let me pause here for a second. You know what double-minded is? I'm going to serve God today. This is my time off. I'm going to do me. You guys got what I just did? I'm going to give God this day. Next day, I'm going to do me. I need a break from this Christianity stuff. I need to, what are we watching tonight on TV? Shoot them up, bang, bang. I'm smiling, but I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is we compromise our relationship with the Most High when we are double-minded. And this is why we have this double-minded, un, 
stable Christian relationship. We're going up and we're going down. Not, not just down. We're going down. And then we go back up. And then we go down. And we're like, Lord, what's happening? We're double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable in how many of his ways? Watch carefully. Watch, watch carefully. It says, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withers the grass and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perishes, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. In other words, there's a, tempor a temporary experience. Now I want to jump down to verse number 14, verse number 15. It says, then, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and when sin is finished, it bringeth forth, what's it say, my friends? Do not err, beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, of whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So the wages of sin at the end of the day is death. Now, one, last, one, one other section I want to get to before I transition to my next thought. I want you to go with me to 1 John 3, 4. And then I'm going to need eight volunteers. 1 John 3, 4. Notice what the Bible says. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the, what's it say? All right, so how many people are on this side? There are three, seven. One. All right. Can you guys just come up very quick? I won't hurt you. I promise I won't bite. Come on up. Yes. You, you three. No, you stay. Come on. Come on, brother. Yes. You too. Come on. I won't bite. Come on. Come this way. Can just line up. Start, start here, my brother. Start right here. And just line up from him going that way for me, will you? Yes. Yes. Well, let's come back a little further. Come over here. Very good. There's eight of them. All right. I want you guys to use your memory. Pay close attention. I'm going to give each one a name. His name is People. What's his name? People. People. This is Church. What's his name? Church. What's his name? People. What's his name? Church. This is Preacher. What's his name? Preacher. What's his name? Church. What's his name? Church. All right, very good. What's his name? People. People. This sister, she's the gospel, amen? What's her name? What's his name? What's her name? What's his name? What's his name? This is Jesus. What's his name? All right, praise the Lord. You like being Jesus, right? <laughs> this is G What's his name? What's her name? What's his name? What's his name? Church. What's his name? People. This is Grace. What's his name? Grace. This is Grace. Praise the Lord for Grace. Amen. Amen. All right, so we have Grace, and then we have Jesus. What's his name? Grace. What's her name? Gospel. What's his name? Church. What's his name? Church. Church. What's his name? Church. All right, what's his name? I'm sorry, brother. Roger, he's going to be sin for us today. It's all right, brother. What's his name? What's his name? What's his name? What's her name? What's his name? His name. What's his name? And this one right here, this is my daughter. This is Law. What's her name? What's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Jesus. What's her name? Gospel. His name? Preacher. What's his name? Church. What's his name? People. All right, very good. So now I'm going to, when I point to them, you say the name, all right? So the... People. Let's do it again. So the... People. Go to... Church. To hear the... Preacher. Preach the... Gospel. About... Jesus. 
who gives us grace. Who gives us grace. Which is pardoned for sin. Which is breaking the law. You guys, you guys with me? All right. So let's just say someone says the law has been nailed to the cross. I've heard this before. The law has been nailed to the cross. So law, we don't need you anymore. Thank you so much for your time. Please take a seat. So the people go to to hear the priest about who gives us, which is pardoned for. Well, wait. If the law has been done away with, then there's no. So if there's no sin, we'll see you later. <laughs> so the people go to church. to hear the priest the about Jesus. who gives us grace. But what's grace for? But it's pardon for sin, but there's no sin because there's no. So we don't need you anymore. So the people go to church. to hear the priest the about Jesus. But wait, why do you need Jesus if there's no need for grace? If there's because there's no sin and because there's no. So I'm sorry, Jesus. <laughs> so here we go. So the people go to church. to hear the priest the. So now they got to make up a new gospel. Uh, are you following? We got we to gotta preach a new gospel. We don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. Just come to church and we'll give you some, some uh, kerosene to drink. Come to church and we'll do a couple of dances around. You can go. We don't need her anymore. So the, the people go to church to hear the preacher. That's what they do. Take a seat. Thank you so much. Did you get it? You see, everything's connected. See, sometimes we think we're smarter than God, and we're not. We're not. Everything's connected. Everything has its place. Now remember, the law can't save you. We know that already. Jesus does that. But what Jesus does do is something so awesome, I'm going to share with you right now. Go with me to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews chapter 8. And someone's going to tell me, and I, and I hope you have thought of this already. And you're going to say, Brother Andre, we are under the new covenant. We are not under the old covenant. And I say, praise the Lord. Watch what we do with this one. In Hebrews chapter 8. And we're going to, in fact, let's do a little bit of a, little bit of a study. I was just going to go to the, the direct verse. Let's give a little bit of context to it. It says in verse number 6. Hebrews 8, verse 6. It says, But now hath he obtained, speaking of Jesus, a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is a mediator of a, what's it say? A better covenant, which was established upon, what's it say? Better promises. Now, in order to understand what that phrase means, remember when the Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments from, off, from, from in the presence of God? And he comes down, and the people are having a party. But before he went up, when God spoke through thunder and lightning, everybody's like, and the law was given, everybody's like, everything you say, we're going to do. Everything God tells, we're going to do it. And they were so gung-ho in this thing. Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments, comes down, and everything God said, they were doing opposite. In fact, the Bible says they were having an orgy. That's what it says. They were in complete confusion. So their promises were the weak link in their covenant relationship. Are you following what I'm saying? So the Ten Commandments are still the Ten Commandments. I'm going to put old, I'm gonna put old covenant here. 
and I want to put new covenant here. And this is going to be a short comparison. I actually have a list much longer, but it's a short comparison. In the old covenant, you had 10 commandments. And I'm saying 10 commandments, but the, the Bible says the commandments of God are exceeding broad. Okay? In the new covenant, you have the 10 commandments. In the old covenant, you had animal sacrifice. In the new covenant, you have the lamb of God. Are you following? In the old covenant, you have human promises. In the new covenant, you have God's promise. Are you following? So stay with me now. Back to Hebrews chapter 8. It says, for verse 7, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there should no place have been sought for a, what's it say? Second. Now what's the problem with the old covenant or the first one? Verse 8, finding fault with them, he said, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So what's this new covenant? Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, save the Lord. For this is the new covenant. What is it? That I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their, what's it say? In their minds. And write them where, my friends? In their hearts. And I will be to them a God. And they will be to me a people. It doesn't sound to me that God has destroyed his law. It seems like he's reoriented where he's writing it this time. Instead of writing it on stone, my friends, he's going to write it in Paul's heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Instead of saying, I declare, thou shalt not kill, he says, now I promise you won't kill. And he says, I'm going to take my word and I'm going to create in you what you don't have. I'm going to put it inside of you. And somebody says, well, God's law has been done away with. If his law is done away with, we have no hope in the world. Everything's gone bananas and cuckoo. They can pass all the laws they want. They can pass climate change laws. They can take all the gun laws. You, you take a gun out of someone's hand, they'll find a knife. You take a gun out of someone's hand, they'll use, they'll figure out how to make a bomb. You take a gun out of someone's hand, they'll figure out how to take the pencil and create a nuclear bomb out of it. That's how corrupt the human mind is. The solution to our world's problem is that Jesus, the Most High, sits on his throne and he has subjects that allow him to work inside of them. See, that's why it's so awesome when you think about Calvary. So what the devil, remember, the devil's afraid. I didn't get to this part. Yes, I, I was hoping to get to it. I said, no, I can't get to it. Time's up. The devil was afraid because what happened was when Jesus died, he sealed perfection. Everything that we are to be, he was. From birth to death, he, he is everything we need. You can't improve on it. So now there's a verse in the Bible, Galatians 2.20, says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth where? In me, in the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the life that I now live is not mine. I'm not, I'm not improving. He's creating. Y'all not hearing this thing. I'm not evolving. He's creating in me. Oh, brothers and sisters, I hope you're getting what I'm saying. If you hear what I'm saying to you, God is trying to do a new thing in us. He's trying to really make us Christians versus theoretically ascending to information and having to, uh, apologetic arguments about what is and what is not. He wants to write it in us. There's a song that's on my mind. I, I have to sing it whenever it comes, so I have, I'm singing it. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Listen to what David says. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Is that what you want? I want him to do that for me, brothers and sisters. One of the, one of the worst things, I, I keep thinking about it, but one of the worst things would be going to church and faking it and not ever really being a Christian. Uh, like in my mind, like, why would I waste my time? Why would I, why would I want to front if heaven is offering what he's offering? He's offering genuine conversion, a genuine change. I want to be a Christian for real. In my heart. In my heart. As my sister begun, comes up to sing the, for us this evening, and as my brothers and sisters hand out those decision cards, I want you to make that decision tonight. And they're going to get it to you. My sister, come on up and sing. I want you to be prayerful tonight, brothers and sisters. Tonight is the night to make a decision for Jesus. And the reality is, I say this all the time, you can't give him your heart. You have to ask him to take it from you. Ask him to take it. And he will make you a Christian. One that loves righteousness. Not one that is forced to do it. Sometimes I ask my daughter to do things. She does it because she likes me as her dad. But I can see that she doesn't really want to do it. I can just see it. It's like, man. And in my mind, I'm like, how can I get her to love what I'm trying to say? It's the worst thing. Heaven doesn't want to tell you something and you go there and be like, oh, I wanna, oh, do I have to do that? He wants you to, when you hear it, he wants you to say, yes, Lord, I will follow. Please listen as my sister sings. I will follow thee, my Savior, Wheresoe'er my lot may be, where thou goest, I will follow. Yes, my Lord, I'll follow thee. I will follow thee, my Savior. Thou didst shed thy blood for me. And though all men should forsake thee, by thy grace I'll follow thee. Though I meet with tribulation, sorely tempted though I be, I remember. Remember thou was tempted and rejoice to follow thee. Help me follow thee, my Savior, for thou didst shed thy blood for me, and though all 
forsake thee, help me, Lord, to follow thee. Brothers and sisters, I love that song. I love the simplicity of the song. I pray that when she sings it, you sing it too in your hearts. I just want to follow Jesus. Tonight on your card, the first question said, I understand the law of God is eternal. It is a transcript of his character. If you understood that tonight, just mark that as you understood that. The second one said, I understand that the rise and fall of nations is predicted, predicated on God's law. I didn't cover that, so don't worry about that. It says, I understand that I cannot keep God's law. How many understood that? You can't keep God's law. You understood that? But that God's promises to write his law in my heart. You understood that tonight? Let me see your hand. You understood that? Praise God. And this one here says, I want God to write his law in my heart. And I give him permission today to do just that. If that's your desire, I just want you to stand with me tonight. You're giving God permission to write his law in your heart. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Our Father in heaven, we have stood physically. The reality is our hearts are in rebellion still. But we ask, Father, that you help us to stand in our hearts as well. And, Father, we are standing acknowledging that you must do something for us. Please, Lord, write your law in our hearts. Help us to trust you, Father, to claim the promises of your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his grace. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit to live a life that is holy and pleasing to you. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. May all the people of God say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated.